What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast coming to you, as always, with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's really the dog days of summer now. The Clippers had their press conference for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They've signed uh, a couple guys to training camp deals. It's really just waiting for training camp to start now, and that's about two months away. So uh, we're really in the middle of no NBA basketball, not even really NBA news. So kind of sad, but uh, it also means a little bit less work. So <laughs> I guess for every uh, for every cloud, there's a bit of a silver lining. I'm like fiercely checking Twitter and whatever I can just to see any sort of Clipper news. I've been so used to a ton of Clipper news and there's nothing. Some Exhibit 10 contracts, but nothing really terribly exciting. We also have Lucas, who you guys know from, you know, kind of running the website and everything. Lucas, what are you up to? I'm just living in and waiting to see who the Clippers signed to be their third string point guard. That's, that's what my last two weeks have been and probably will continue doing. That's been legitimately like my life, just seeing <laughs> Jeremy Lin depressed and being like, can't we save this guy from his depression? Like, <laughs> give him this contract. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's been my life too. Also with us is, uh, is Mike Jaglin, who you guys know from formerly of LA Clipcast and now part of our, I guess, Clips Nation podcast network. Can we call it that? Is it like that official? But Jaglin, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great, guys. I'm great. Thank you for having me on the pod. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's basically August, and like you guys are saying, where when Kawhi Leonard uh, going to Petco Park is uh, like the biggest uh, Clipper news of the weekend. You know that we're really hitting the summer. So uh, I'm I'm excited. Thanks again to you guys and to Lucas. Uh, we'll get this podcast up and running soon too, and keep on adding the Clip, Clipper Nation and Clips Nation. Yeah, super exciting. And so, so what is what is this new? We're pretty excited to have you, Mike. And we kind of want to know, you know, what is it exactly you're going to be doing, and how you're going to be uh, working with us. And we're just really excited to have you. We just want everybody out there to know now that you're part of the family or back in the family. I guess I, could, I should say you were with us before too. Uh, what can we expect? Well, again, for, first off, I, I, I'm really stoked to be back. You know, um, Steve Perrin had us um, on years ago, you know, the, the old fearless leader. And, uh, you know, we, and I was able actually to write some articles. I did a Collison uh, and a JJ article way yeah. back when. And coming back is it's great because, you know, me and Lucas were talking, trying to figure out a way to get some content some some vibes warning drive you know when people are getting into work and w- what we're attacking is day after games you know uh once or twice a week we're going to give a uh, you know i'm gonna have a do a lot of different interviews have a guest on we're not going to go super long but it's going to cover the game that night uh, the previous night and uh t- talk to a reporter talk to, you know, uh, one of you guys and, uh, you know, give listeners and, and reason I, I, you know, created Clipcast was no Clipper talk in LA, you know, even 570 covers the Lakers. And that's why I created Clipcast. And this is a perfect thing. And Lucas came up, you know, had the idea of, you know, a morning pod. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I mean, people want to listen and want to hear about the Clippers, especially now after, 
you know, the summer we've had. So I, I'm super, super stoked to be able to get this uh, bad boy up and running. Uh, Lucas, we're, I think we're trying to gun for August, correct? I think is our tentative date to try to get one yeah. up here. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully within probably the next two weeks. And it was a great thing for you guys listening who are looking forward to Mike's show, obviously already listened to the Lobby Jam, is that because it's all part of, like Shap said, this Clips Nation family, um, this Clips Nation podcast network, is where you get the Lob to Jam, the podcast currently, uh, if it's on iTunes and you're getting it from the Clips Nation feed on iTunes, Mike's new show is going to be in the same exact place. So if you're subscribed to the Lob to Jam and you get the new episode that comes out every week, you will also be getting Mike's episodes during the week that are going to be coming out the morning after games. So it all comes together in one place. There's definitely going to be lots of crossovers between either Mike talking to Rob or Shap after a game, uh, Mike coming on the, the Lob the Jam at the end of the week to give his takes. So lots of crossover, everyone working together, but definitely this different angle where we're getting from Mike, quicker reaction after the games, interviews with players, a chance to go to the locker room, go to the press conferences, be a little more on the ground um, and kind of balance with what the Lob the Jam already brings. So yeah, I'm really, really excited. Um, I know, obviously, Mike and Robin Chap all are too. So you know, I'm looking forward to to being able to get this first episode out within the next couple of weeks and hit ground running. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, it's gonna, it, it... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. I was going to ask you if you had any ideas of names. I know I, I loved your names on LA Clipcast, even just for the segments like like uh, Down by the Rivers, my personal favorite, when you guys just interview Austin in very colorful, colorful ways. Uh, do you have any idea of the like, names? Do you have an idea for what the show's going to be called? Well, I, I mean, it is going to be your, your morning cup of clip. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to – and then that, that's actually a really good question to actually ask uh, the fans, too. Um, maybe we could get a poll or a survey because uh, I'm, 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 I'm open to suggestions. Uh, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to do the player interviews. We're going to, we're going to bring in your, your Clipper favorites, you know, um, you know, reporters, we're going to get everything we need uh, to give the Clipper fans that itch in the morning. So you're not stuck just listening to seven ten and five seventy. You have a source uh, that you know and you trust, and you know it's going to be such a fun season. It, I mean, the expectations, but the confidence of how much fun you know we've all gone through this. You know, kind of up and down the last you know five or six years, and to get to this point that we all know, like, oh yeah, we're we're actually here is great. And uh, you know, in LA, you have such a Laker contingency that I think nationwide, we're actually probably going to be able to capitalize on people that don't like the Lakers and don't like LeBron James. So we could be that kind of default team, uh, you know, nationally. And that's something I think, you know, the site can pick up on, SB Nation can pick up on. And this this could just turn into an exciting season. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, I think think that's going to be just a lot of fun going forward and really looking forward to – your interviews and just how everybody intermingles and it just to be really, really fun. I'm really excited to have you on Mike and recent, recent birthday boy, Mike too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A lot of pina coladas and water right. slides and kids and you know, awesome. I, I've been a little this weekend. 
Awesome. Perfect. And uh, yeah, do you guys have anything else to kind of talk about the show or any, any other ideas you guys have about the show or what you is it kind of just working as we go? Well, I mean, again, it's going to be that morning, you know, show, you know, you're going to have, uh, uh, once we get the schedule, uh, NBA schedule, which what are, what are we thinking that comes out probably mid August, uh, then we'll probably know more target dates. You know, we're not going to do a game on the first night of a back-to-back or, excuse me, a podcast on the first night of a back-to-back. You know, it's going to be once or twice a week after a game um, that, you know, Clipper fans can kind of know where they're going to be. And, uh, you know, everyone, you know, loves listening to podcasts in the morning, loves listening to podcasts when they're at work. So this will be a a great opportunity for them to get that fix from uh, the, the, the night previous and, you know, launching that morning. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of the same, you know, you know, people in your Tomars, your Farbots will probably come on. Uh, it, it, it's going to be, you know, all Clipper centric and uh, just about basically giving the fans that opportunity to know that, you know, after a game once or twice a week, they're going to have a source that they can always kind of get their little fix after a big game. Right. Perfect. All right. Well, looking forward to that. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the Clippers and what's been going on recently. I was expecting not much to have gone on aside from the presser, but there's kind of a handful of things that have been happening. I think, I think it's worth talking maybe from the start, especially with that Rob, we know that Rob was at that presser, about the quiet Paul George pressure. Everybody's probably seen the clips by now. I watched the whole thing um, not too long, pretty much soon after it all happened. And it was super exciting. We got some great George and, Kawhi quotes, quotes about uh, George being a Clipper fan growing up, which we already knew, which every, I thought everybody knew, for an, especially after the draft. But apparently people do need to be reminded, uh, you know, Bomber going crazy and <laughs> getting everybody hyped and just being Steve Bomber. A lot of things happened. But, Rob, what was your general vibe at that presser? How, how, was, uh, how was that day? How hyped were you? Uh, I, was, I was fairly hyped. Uh, you know, when Steve Ballmer is – encouraging the entire crowd to like get to a standing ovation and cheering and screaming and whatnot. It's, it's pretty hard not to get a little hyped. Um, you know, the media section was kind of laughing, but everybody was, was just really enjoying it. I think, um, you know, it was, it was a really great vibe because like I wrote, I think in a piece that afternoon, there was obviously a sense of celebration and, you know, the fact that they got these two guys and these two guys got to LA and the Clippers where, as you mentioned, you know, they grew up fans of that team. It was all very good, but everybody is focused on winning a championship. And that's the kind of attitude you like to see. It's not about having success in the summer. It's about, you know, winning the title in, I guess it's spring. Um, So I really liked that attitude. And I mean, I didn't expect anything less from the Clippers, but it was still good to see everybody was just focused on championships, getting to work, uh, you know, integrating these guys with the rest of the roster and just preparing for the long season ahead. So I really enjoyed it. Um, there weren't really that many good quotes. I think they only took like five or six questions yeah. um, before they just ushered everybody away. So didn't really get all that much uh, good info out of them. Um, but I wasn't really expecting much anyway. And honestly, at most press conferences, you don't get like a ton, uh, at least at something big like this. I mean, during a regular season game, you can sneak in like a good question, get like a really thoughtful answer. 
But during some, I mean, they were never going to say anything super controversial at their introductory press conference. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is that Kawhi is actually really funny and uh, has a good sense of humor. And you know, I'm just excited for, for his press conferences the rest of this year and see the fun guy uh, make more of an appearance as well as the board man. So I'm just... Yeah. I'm excited. It was just exciting even just seeing him react with Bomber kind of in a in a fun way after Bomber had his spiel and Kawhi kind of just grabbed him by his arms and Bomber, you know, almost <laughs> stuck his tongue out and had that great pick. Um, Jag, did you did you really get anything from this presser? Anything new you feel like? Any any vibe from from the players or from the did we really learn much from this presser, you think? Well, I, I think a really interesting thing, and I know you know, with the facility being closed down, but the, you know, the Clippers have been so big in the community, especially with a lot of these, uh, you know, local gyms and local courts that they're rebuilding from, I think for them branding wise, this was really smart for them to, right. you know, locate it where they did. Um, and that's what I think Clipper fans have to realize that since Bombers, you know, had the team now five years, um, he's really, really done a lot trying to get to, you know, the hard working fan, you know, the Clipper fan that, that, that is, is, he really wants to be a part of something special. And I, I think doing that is, is really, really important uh, to kind of show what the Clippers are about. They're not just about, you know, going out and getting those flashy stars, even though they did this year. Uh, it, it's about building an organization. And he's seen everything from Brian Seaman, basically, you know, coming out and saying that he's the voice of the Clippers now officially, uh, someone that, you know, worked so many years through the organization, worked in Minnesota, and, and, and then just seeing, like, listen, these are my new two fancy toys that I just got, and they are great toys. They're toys that, you know, have won championships, and that's certain MVP voting and everything that you were able to include, you know, with that culture of Pat. And I can get into this on the playbook, uh, talking about the playbook, but, you know, in keeping that mentality of this hard nosed group, I think it's really, really says a lot for this organization. Don't you guys think like, you know, a, a lot of organizations when they make moves, like you saw, you know, Houston go out and, you know, get Westbrook because they had a chance to get under that Chris Paul, but they're staying true to a certain focus. And you see that with the organization, you know, with, with Frank and West and winger and, you know, um, you know, Lee Jenkins now that they just keep building. And a lot of these organizations in modern day sports don't have these checks and balances and don't have a front office that is that, talented like like the Clippers am I wrong no I mean that's I think I think people need to remember wanting to be trigger happy especially on these bigger names like I remember I remember even when Dwight Howard was a free agent I was thinking well do the Clippers could the Clippers be interested in Dwight Howard is you know he's still a rebounder blah 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 but he just doesn't fit with the aesthetic of the Clippers and I think the Clippers kind of know that more than anything else they're not just going to hire names and try and work it out they're trying to hire people they're trying to make pickups that make sense within their, I guess, their brand and the culture of the team and just this really hard-nosed, defense-oriented, just dogs, you know, because uh, that's been marketed even well before uh, 
Paul and Kawhi got here. So it's, it's something worth remembering and something worth, you know, just knowing going forward when we're frustrated that maybe the Clippers might not make a move that seems flashy. That's not really our style. That's not really our brand. And it's weird just saying brand with, with the Clippers because it's been such a weird thing to be noted for them with Donald Sterling, even as good as the Lob City Clippers were just Sterling stench just like would, was never leaving them and is penny pinching and constantly being afraid that something was going to happen. That was something was going to go wrong. That's not really the vibe anymore. Uh, I know, I know me and Rob are often the pessimists on this pod. Um, Lucas, like how, how excited for the future did this have you, the presser and not just the presser, we can kind of lean this into just the plans for Inglewood and the new arena and just the beautiful pictures and just the limitless kind of atmosphere for this team. Yeah, I mean, I'll actually say that for me, the presser, you know, I mean, it was a press, it was a press conference. They, got, they only took like five questions. They gave some statements. The mural's cool. Like the, the press conference was a press conference, right? Um, I was really, the one thing that I wanted out of that press conference you didn't get was a more firm update on PG's shoulder. Yeah. Uh, which which still seems very much up in the air, but that arena, the arena announcement, that video that Clippers dropped with the renderings of what the new arena in Inglewood is going to look like, that hit me. That's like a, I, I don't know, like the press conference, like we already knew that they were coming and we know what players say in press conferences. And so the players that we knew were coming said the things that players say in press conferences at a press conference. Like, you know, it was a formality, but the vid- that video of the new arena was like the Woj bomb all over again, right? They're like, holy shit, we're doing something, um, and it, and something so huge, right? With, I mean, it, it, it it's breathtaking that arena. I I don't know how to describe it if I can't show the pictures, which obviously a podcast is not conducive for, but if you haven't seen the pictures, everything that you could want it to be is what it is. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that pretty much <laughs> summed it up, even, even the moment if I think you cut off for a little bit, but we can feel the excitement. It's super exciting. Oh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think, I mean, the pictures really say it for itself. I remember when it happened, we were all sending texts to each other. It was almost just as exciting as getting Kawhi and Paul, just, uh, just seeing that in our future and seeing how committed Bomber is uh, to this team and to this city and, and uh, to just making as state-of-the-art of a facility as he can, it's really just an incredible thing. And, and part of just his future planning that he's been doing these past few off-seasons is the playbook. And the playbook is this cool thing where Bomber uh, and the front office meet up with the fans and they just have like a kind of an intimate night talking about the future of the team. And I wasn't at the playbook. Uh, I, I, like I've been doing the past couple of years, just kind of followed on Twitter people's excitements and the quotes and uh, the Clippers did a good job of po- uh, posting some stuff. Uh, Jag was actually at the playbook. And ha- I mean, really, what was that event like, Jag? Well, I, I, the thing I love about the playbook is, you know, again, it's this, it, it is an intimate event with, a lot, uh, you know, basically the season ticket holders. And you're basically telling them, and I, I think this started around the, it was a trade deadline of, uh, was it 20, 2017 was it um or t- was it 2018 the, the dj it was tw- uh, 2018 last year the Blake, yeah yeah i think it was, 2018. it was the first year 
But um, this playbook was really special because you had Seaman comes out, introduces Frank, and in- introduces Jerry West. Uh, the greatest thing is that I loved was Lawrence Frank kind of took a dig at the Lakers. That, like, we're not a team of leaks. <laughs> we're not the leakers. You know, he didn't say that. But they were, as we all know, you know, covering the Clippers, they work silent. And uh, he took a nice little dig at them. And then, you know, Jerry West telling the story about, you know, he's in, he's in Vegas. You know, Frank calls him, oh, we've got Kawhi. We're about to do this George thing. Then Ballmer calls him. The earthquake happens. Uh, then they keep calling him back and forth. And then finally Jerry just says, you know what? Just do it. Just get it done. And, of course, they got it done. And uh, that was really cool hearing that. Um, the love that they have, too, for Terrence Mann is, uh, says a lot. They love his passing ability. They Very exciting. believe that he's a guy. That, yeah, they they think that he's someone that can really come in and and I think uh, contribute, not you know at, at a major level, but um, can do some things to really kind of fit into this culture. But then you know I, I've never been to a political rally in my life, but this was like that with Balmer because he comes out just like just like he shot out a freaking cannon and uh, just starts getting everyone riled up. The fans are just jazz at this point Ballmer is holding court by himself and uh, then he goes into you know this is a fine basically a, a private finance arena and then he goes into the video in the in the, in the, in the uh, pictures and you're just blown away I mean this man cares and we know that over the course of the past few years he's gone around various places in LA and he's investigating, you know, I know in many articles he's talked about Milwaukee's new stadium and Utah's crowd, the way that that, you know, the noise is there. And having it in, you know, Inglewood across from the forum uh, is going to be kind of ironic that you're, you're, you're against the old, you know, Lakers arena, yet you're basically, you know, going into one of the new, you know, entertainment centers in, in the country. I mean, that, that Rams facility is going to have the Super Bowl in a couple of years, and then you're going to have the Clippers, you know, new arena a, a few years after. So by the time the Clippers facility or arena goes, that, you know, Inglewood's going to start really getting built out. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, phenomenal to see Ballmer just, you know, he cares. He cares. And he knows he knows the fans want something that's special and but they want to win championships not one championship and they want to sustain you know a a constant you know uh be that team year in and year out that teams are 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 gunning for and they he he knows exactly what we want as fans and what you know uh, they want as you know for their players you know this is like you guys talked about earlier they're not gonna go do something drastic they have a culture now. They know what the Clippers are, and it's really exciting to see, you know, what what has transpired over the over the course of the, the last couple months. I mean, and into the future. Yeah, the team's been super exciting. Speaking of which, you kind of mentioned Brian Seaman. Um, he did he did introduce the Paul George and Kawhi 
um, presser and he's becoming more part of the team. And of course, he's been our longtime radio guy. Honestly, I've only heard him in bits and pieces and now I've kind of listened to him more so, uh, more so in some highlight reels, especially in those last few uh, playoffs, this last playoff series we had against the Warriors. And he's our new voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. He said so very confidently in the Kawhi Paul George presser. And he's our new guy. We still don't know who our color guy is, but we know that Seaman is going to be the, the essentially the new Ralph Waller for as, as weird as that kind of says and rolls off the tongue. Uh, Rob, I mean, we, we've been, you know, covering this team and I, I think we, we might have we might have kind of assumed that Siemens was going to be our guy and pretty excited for him coming on. And I mean, is there really much to say as far as Siemens comes comes on? I think I think it was kind of assumed that he would be the guy taking the mantle. And now it's just in writing. Yeah, I don't think this is a surprise at all. Basically, all the signs are pointing towards him taking over. He's been groomed for it for over a decade now. I think he started with the Clippers in 2007 or 2008. He's gotten really good reception. I don't know anybody who dislikes him. I mean, I don't know. I don't know many like diehard Brian Seaman fans, but like, uh, you know, it's radio and I don't know that many people who listen to radio in general right now, um, especially for something like calling basketball games. But from the little I've heard, I've heard him call a few games. He's good. I listened to the clips of him calling uh, the playoff games this past year when the Clippers announced that they put up some clips of him. And he sounds really good. Um, you know, I, he's not Ralph, but I expect him to carry on some of the Ralphisms. And to some extent, I think the color, you know, what they call the color guy, but is now mostly referred to as the analyst or whatever, that's kind of more important anyway. You know, there can be good play-by-play guys versus bad play-by-play guys. But generally, I think NBA broadcasts rise and fall based on the other person because they're the one providing, like, the real commentary about the game and what's going on and giving real input and analysis. And I'm very curious to see who the Clippers bring in for that. I still think they're trying to get a bigger name. They tried to get Sarah Kutztalk of uh, Yes Network. She does the Nets now. Uh, but the Nets kept her probably by giving her a, a raise to stay there. Uh, I, I'm guessing that they're going after somebody else big, who I'm not sure of, uh, but I don't think it's going to be anybody already in-house. I will say, I think I mentioned this on one of our previous pods, Corey McGetty was doing stuff for the Clippers at Summer League, so he's back, uh, but I do not think he's going to be the new um, analyst. It's, I really doubt it's going to be McLean or, or Ryan Hollins either. So I'm guessing they're going to try to make a splash well, we just need to see who that might be and if they're able to actually land that person. But I'm I'm excited for Seaman. I think he'll be good. Yeah, Jack, you have any strong thoughts about Seaman? I love I love Seaman, and I know uh, Lucas will attest to this. Uh, they got it right. They got this right. They uh, you know they probably could have gone out and tried to get a, a, a sexier name, but this is a guy that he's seen it you know over the course of his tenure. Um, you know, going through Love City, going through, you know, where we are now. And he deserved this job. And, you know, this this to me was a, a very, very big win for the front office. Um, he, he paid his dues. He, he is a great play-by-play guy. It's not easy to be, you know, doing two and a half hours of a basketball game with no one else, you right. know. Um, and you have to you, – you really have to, you know – uh, really hone in your craft and Seaman does uh, you know did such a great job of that and and paid his dues but he is 
he's a great person. This is a guy that is, you know, he, he loves Lawrence Frank, by the way. He thinks Lawrence Frank is, is, is light years uh, ahead of a lot of these, uh, <laughs> the basketball guys. He does. He does. Knowing Brian. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I'm just really stoked because this, uh, they could have, like we saw two years ago with the whole Bruce Bowen deal, like they got a little, a little too ahead of them, the, themselves then. And it kind of, you know, backfired on them. And I, I think they probably will, you know, go, they could, they probably will go out of house to find someone. Um, you know, I, now that Ryan Hollins is also a Stephen A. Smith Jr. Um, talking head world, I think he, he's probably not going to get that. And the only guy inside that I really feel confident, I mean, I, I, I do love Corey and he is doing more, but it is McLean. But they'll probably go sexier. But um, but I'm just I, I'm really stoked for Seaman. Yeah, me too. I wonder I wonder how much McLean's Harden's comments might have hurt him even within in house because I like McLean. I think I think we've kind of mentioned there are times that he's super dry and kind of maybe slow at times during live uh, live uh, during live feeds. He's great. I think he's perfect for halftime. I think me and Rob has talked about this in the past. He's he's a perfect guy for halftime as far as I'm concerned, but I don't, I don't think he would end up, you know, being the, being the, the analyst full time next to, next to Siemens. But it'd be, it'll be interesting to see where they go. By the way, shout out <laughs> um, uh, to our Clips Nation article that was talking about Ryan Hollins, had an exclusive Ryan Hollins from Chris Merch. Really good stuff. If you want to see a little bit about his hot, hot takes, uh, Stephen A type analysis, <laughs> uh, we, got, we got a really good interview for him on Clips Nation. Lucas, um, Seaman, I mean, I feel like you're, you're going to end up echoing a lot of the stuff that, Jag has kind of said about him being a great dude. And from all I've seen, he seems like a great guy. How excited are you for him this season? Yeah, Brian, Brian's great. Um, I've only, you know, met, met Brian a few times, but he's always been great. And I remember again, right. Like Rob said, people don't listen to the radio a lot. Like given the choice, obviously I'm always watching on TV, which means not listening to Brian, but I remember like going up, there would be times when, you know, I'm, we're going somewhere, you know, missing the game that night, we're in the car, and then we would be listen, listening to Brian, and I was always a fan, and I mean, I moved away from LA five years ago, so I can, pro- I can pretty much guarantee that I haven't listened to a Brian Seaman broadcast in five years, and I remember at the time living in LA being like, you know, he's the heir apparent to Ralph. Whenever Ralph decides to hang it up, Brian's going to take over. And I think there was, you know, some legitimate concern this past year. Uh, and concern is the right word. I think that the Clippers might try to go out of house to replace Ralph just because of, you know, Balmer has these big ideas for the team. And, and it's all great stuff, of course. But concerned that Brian wouldn't get it because Brian's so great. Um, I'm really happy that he has it. And I, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing who they bring in as the analyst. I think that if they don't land someone who they feel really good about coming in and being a big name, I think Don McClain, you know, sits in the number two chair like he did for much of last season. And I, I really like uh, Don McClain, so I have no issue with that. But yeah, I mean, I'm super, super happy for Brian. Great guy, great broadcaster, and excited to see who he's going to be working with, as I'm sure he is excited to see who he's going to be working with as well. 
Yeah, um, I think that kind of does it for that. As far as who's going to be his next to him, we'll kind of wait and see how that goes. It's kind of interesting to see what the Clippers do as far as their search goes. Um, from there, we can maybe talk a little bit about what's been going on as far as prognosticating for the team. Uh, there's some over-unders were set. I believe the Clippers are set at 55 and a half. Is that yeah. right? That yeah. is that is that is high for me. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the Clippers are going to make that, especially if load management has anything to say about that. I know Kawhi went on record saying that he might not necessarily do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen. Paul George will probably be out possibly for the beginning of the season, though we didn't get concrete um, updates on that. Like Lucas mentioned, fifty-five and a half guys. I mean, we can we can start with Rob <laughs> under, right? I would take the under. Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, it's one of those things where you just have to weigh the odds. Like, could this team theoretically win 60 games? Absolutely. And you could argue, you know, the, the, the way to argue it would be they won 48 games last year. You're adding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and your subtractions are Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and then, you know, I guess half a season of Tobias Harris, and then mostly bench guys and, you know, the huge negatives that were Avery Bradley and Martin Gortat. You won't <laughs> play at all, but... I mean, Kawhi is going to rest. And whether it's load management on his side or whether the Clippers just want to rest him, like, I'll be pretty surprised if he played over 70 games. I think he's probably going to play more than last year. I think in my article about that load management comment, I think I wrote he's probably going to be somewhere in, like, the 66 to 70 range. I'd expect him to still miss a fair amount of back-to-backs and probably at least one game in three and four nights, if there are any. I know the NBA is trying to eliminate those. The Clippers will probably have a couple. I'm guessing he'll sit out at least one of those games. And, like, if he's ever nicked up at all, the Clippers should should rest him. George is obviously – well, not obviously. It looks like George might miss <laughs> some of the regular season to start. Uh, we really don't know yet. I think they're obviously going to be cautious with him as well. As somebody who's had labrum surgery, it's not fun. It's not a fun rehab. Uh, Paul George is obviously on, like, a completely different world of athleticism and training and conditioning than I am, but it is not a fun injury to try to come back from. And it's one that if you don't manage it right, you can very easily injure again. So I think they're going to be cautious with him. And then when you look at other guys like Pat Beverly and Lou Williams are both in their thirties, they were both really healthy last year. The Clippers in general had pretty good health last year. And while they moved their biggest injury risk in Danilo Gallinari, their team as a whole is uh, in their prime or probably slightly past it. Really the only two young guys in the rotation are Landry Shamit and Ivica Zubots. And Zubots has actually had a fair amount of injuries in his NBA career so far. Uh, so obviously I'm not hoping for any injuries. Uh, fingers crossed they don't. But I would expect them to be somewhat more injury plagued than they were last year. I'd expect George and Kawhi to get nights off. I'd expect guys like Lou and Beverly to get a few nights off. Um and 56 wins is a lot. Um, if I had to peg this team right now, I'd probably say 54, which is still obviously really good. I mean, that's probably third in the West, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would take the under. Yeah, I think I'm good with that. Jag? I'm going over. I know. Uh, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going over. I love it. Um, I, it, it again, you you're you have Kawhi, you have uh Paul George, you bring in Harkless. Um I and, and I think the one thing that we're gonna sleep on is that, that Sham might have a legitimate chance to make this FIBA USA team now. 
And even though the schedule is, is pretty tight and a lot of guys are, are, are you know, which, which is why he might have a chance of making it, or, or, you know, taking themselves out of it. I think if he, his experience, if he can get on that team, is really going to help this team in the long mm-hmm. run this season. I just feel that, that they will get over that 55 and a half. I know it sounds crazy. I looked at it, it was like, you know, six teams within eight and a half teams, uh, eight and a half games in the West. But I, I feel even with load, man- load management and what they won last year, basically, you know, making that crazy trade, you know, and, and having a different team and still making the playoffs and winning the games that they did, I, I think they'll get there. I think they will get there. Uh, and call me crazy, but I, I, I think they'll, they'll be right around that 56, 57. Yeah, I mean – it's arguable. <laughs> I mean, the Raptors won 58 games last year. And that, that said, the Raptors are crazy good, and Kawhi missed a lot of games, and they still won without him. But uh, it's, not, it's not crazy to think. Lucas, what, what do you think? Yeah, I'm over as well. Um, I think, right, we're 55.5. I would yeah. put them right yeah. in, the, in the 56 to 58 range, I think. Uh, feels really comfortable to me, like a, like a 58 and 24 feels just about right to me it, it really could come down to right at that margin for them how the schedule actually looks like how many back-to-backs do they get assuming that Kawhi is not going to play very like he's probably not going to play both games with very many back-to-backs right so how many back-to-backs they get could directly influence does Kawhi rest for 10 games or 13 games right which that could be three extra wins or three extra losses, depending how you look at it. And then also, who do they play in those back-to-backs, right? If you get, like, a Charlotte-Memphis back-to-back, well, Kawhi could probably sit both of those, and you'll still win both of them. If you get a Houston-Golden State back-to-back, whichever game Kawhi sits is probably a loss. So it, can, it could really come down to how the schedule shakes out, but not being able to look at the schedule, I would still say, I would say over by a, a thin margin, but I feel good about the over. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty curious to see what George's timetable is going to be. I think that'll affect this this quite a bit. And if he's out a month versus six weeks versus two weeks versus nothing, I mean, it could really affect uh, what we're looking at, especially if our schedule is top heavy in the beginning of the year. Yeah, and they should they should be pretty stable. Like starting at some point, you know, mid December, late December, early January. The team should be pretty stable from there on out because we've talked a lot in past years about, okay, well, you know, when do the Clippers play the good teams versus, you know, do they play all the good teams at the end of the year? Do they play all the good teams at the beginning of the year? Whatever. Like the Clippers are better than everyone else. So it really, they should, it really doesn't matter when, like when they play who it matters more. How well do they do while Paul is out at the beginning and how long is he going to be out? So, I think we might know within maybe the first month of the season whether they're going to hit that over or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think I'm probably just more pessimistic about George. Yeah. I think that's probably just what well, it comes down to. Um, I mean, well, I think that, well, talent. Well, Go we ahead, just, you know, you guys, we, guys, we were talking about this before, and this is why, part of the reason why I still think it'll be over, is the change in the NBA in general has been so drastic that – having the Clippers bring this kind of core of grinders back with what they've added, it helps them. So that's why I, I'm I, one of the reasons I'm going the over. I mean, don't you, I mean, a lot of these teams are going to have change and adjustments that first, 
you know, a couple months of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that will help because – and the Clippers will have some continuity. I do think integrating Kawhi and PG will take a little bit of time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. Every other – almost every other major team outside of uh, the ja- – uh, outside of the Nuggets, really, in the West had had major changes during the offseason. The Warriors, you know, will have to integrate D'Angelo Russell. I'm not sure how hard that will be. I think as long as they have Steph and Draymond healthy and playing – they're going to be really good and have an identity. Uh, so I think they're probably actually going to do better than what people think. I think we were discussing their overs 47 and a half, and I take that over in a heartbeat. I think yeah, they'd probably get like in the low fifties uh, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I don't think it's crazy to predict the over for the Clippers. I think I'm probably just a little bit more pessimistic about Georgia's timetable um, and just about the load management stuff. Cause I mean, I know they said that about playing the full season, but like, I just, I cannot see that happening or even close. So we'll really see. Um, but, I mean, I don't think the over is crazy at all. And I think their window is probably like 52 to 60 wins. I think anything below 52 would be very surprising to me. Anything above 60, I would be kind of surprised at as well. So, I mean, 56 is right in between those two. So I can I can see either way. But as long-time or even short-time listeners of this podcast know, Shap and I tend to be – uh, pessimists <laughs> yeah, about I, most things. So <laughs> I, I think it's fair to be a bit conservative, even just with the nature of how Doc is and just how often he'll rest guys. Even if George or or Kawhi get nicked up even a little bit, he'll. I wouldn't be surprised if he shut them down for a couple of weeks. Like what happened to Shamit at the end of the season? I mean, Doc maybe took him out a little bit more than he needed to because he's more on the conservative side. And with this team, you can afford it. Now there's also a, a case that the Clippers are just good anyways. If they're, if they're just missing George uh, or Kawhi one, one game or so, that'll probably be enough against most teams. You know, it's just a matter of who they play, when they load manage, and how they deal with things and when they bench guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that 55 and a half is a nice, is a nice over under. Um, and just being more conservative, I tend to go under, but I can absolutely, I absolutely think that's a really nice number for Vegas right now as far as uh, a benchmark for them. Yeah. So I think we can go to Twitter questions a bit now, is, uh, unless, unless we have anything else to really talk about for the over under. I think we're uh, gonna I could talk about game. Derek Walton Jr. being signed for about. Oh, half. yeah. Derek Walton Jr. <laughs> so, so where did he go to school, Rob? Uh, he went to a little school in the Midwest called the University of Michigan State. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, he, he will be so much better than Brandon Dawson ever was. Oh, my God. That's to Brandon Dawson. <laughs> Shut uh, up. I legitimately. I am I am a Michigan fan, but I'm not a huge homer in that, like, I've been pretty skeptical about a fair amount of the Michigan guys. Actually, like, I was not high on Trey Burke. I was not high on Mitch McGarry. I was not very high on Tim Hardaway. Honestly, on a lot of the guys. I just – I love Karis LeBert. Um, and I thought DJ Wilson, people paying that pick, I actually thought he'd be pretty good. Uh, Derek Walton is, like, he holds a number of records at the University of Michigan – which some of it is just he's played a lot of games and they play more games now, so he just has counting stats. But he's just really good. Um, you know, he reminds me a fair amount of Pat Beverly, actually. He lacks Pat's length, so he's not going to be that kind of defender. But he's very gritty. He's a really good rebounder considering his height and his kind of limited athleticism. He doesn't make mistakes on offense much, very low turnover rate. You know, a competent ball handler and passer, not a great one. And he can hit spot-up threes. I think in a lot of ways, he's very similar to uh, Pat Beverly. The other guy I'd kind of compare him to would be like Quinn Cook. 
Um, you know, do I think he's going to make the roster? I'm not sure. But in the regular season anyway, I think he's like a perfectly fine guy to have play, you know, 10 minutes a game if you have Lou Williams out there. Like he's probably just going to be standing in the corner uh, shooting threes. And for his size, he's like, you know, a fine defender. He's not going to make up for Lou or anything, but the rest of their, you know, second unit should have plenty of good defenders. Um, you know, I certainly would not want to rely on him in the playoffs, but I don't think the Clippers will have to. So for what it is, which is basically a training camp deal, um, I, I really like it. The other guy is James Palmer from Nebraska, who because it's Big Ten, I've also seen him a bit. Uh, not really super impressed with him. Also, he's a shooting guard, and the Clippers have like eight shooting guards. So I'm guessing that's more of just an Agua Caliente guy who they're going to keep an eye on. Um, but I think Walton at least has an outside shot at making the roster. Um, it seems pretty clear, at least, that they're not that high on any of the remaining uh, people who are available as free agents because they probably would have signed them already. Uh, so I think they could be waiting on Iguodala still and just playing a game of chicken with the Grizzlies. And or they might just wait for buyout season, kind of. Um, I think they do need to add one more guy because I think the minimum roster this year is 14 players and they only have 13. Uh, but I think he's, for for like the 14th man on the roster, I think he's like a perfectly fine addition. Uh, great guy. I've talked to him a couple times. Um, and yeah, he, he fits with their attitude and, and everything pretty well. But yeah, that's my spiel. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And he was on our summer league team and I think he he passed the eye test for the most part it looked like a capable handling point guard um you know it's hard to say what's translatable especially with his size um but he seemed like pretty competent from a bubble handling standpoint I think that's really the biggest thing we wanted from our third stream point guard yeah whether or not he makes a team or not we'll see Joachim Noah who I know we're waiting on I think last I heard he was being recruited by New Zealand for maybe yeah. having, having like an opt-out type of deal like uh like Andrew Bogut had yeah that's so, right so uh, maybe that's what is holding him up from joining an NBA team because he otherwise is a guy that we're all pretty high on and would like on the team. And maybe that's what's holding us up from getting him because I think, I mean, by now, maybe that, that big man spot, you know, I know we, had, we also brought back Jonathan Motley, worth mentioning, on a two-way deal. Um, and, you know, we signed Zubat and we have Trez and Jamichael. So technically, you know, you could technically see that maybe we'd have – Four centers, if you count Jamichael as a small ball center, Trez as a small ball center. And Fiondu. And Fiondu, uh, who's our rookie, of course. Um, so we have quite a few bigs. How confident we are in, in all of them against, like, a, a legitimate seven-footer or, like, a 6'10", 6'11". Exactly. So, so and we all know the other LA, LA team does have Anthony Davis, and as much as we don't really want to talk about it, that will pose to be an issue, but nobody can guard Anthony Davis. So. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else to say about their other. I mean, yeah, Motley is worth mentioning. You know, he was great in the G League last year. He can definitely score the basketball. Uh, whether he can play any defense at the NBA level remains to be seen. But I mean, I'm perfectly fine bringing him back on a two way deal. It's, it's fine. Lucas, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but since it's been tossed around a little bit with more frequency, um, and a lot of our listeners probably already researched it, but what exactly is an Exhibit 10 contract? Yeah, so an Exhibit 10 contract is basically a one-year, non-guaranteed minimum salary deal. Um, and what it an Exhibit 10 is a clause that can be added to a contract that gives the team the power to convert that regular minimum salary NBA deal into a two-way contract. So 
when you hear that a guy has signed a two-way contract, normally they've actually signed a minimum salary NBA contract with an Exhibit 10 clause. And I think with the Clippers having these three guys, right, Amir Coffey, who we know they have on a two-way deal, um, Derek Walton Jr. and Jonathan Motley, you know, I, um, Palmer, I think, is really just a training camp invite more than anything. But the Exhibit 10 is there basically as an option for teams, right? Let's say he comes in and the Clippers fall in love with him in training camp, but they know that they're not going to carry him on the roster. They would have the option of instead, say, cutting Amir Coffee and converting Palmer's training camp contract to that two-way deal. But I do think that it's really between these three guys, Walton, Coffey, and Motley. And with the Clippers only being able to carry two players on two-way contracts, I actually think that one of them will stay on the NBA roster heading into the season. And I think that just positionally with what the Clippers need, it probably makes the most sense for that to be Derek Walton Jr. So his contract is an Exhibit 10, but I would be really unsurprised if he stays on that non-guaranteed minimum deal as the 14th guy on the roster heading into the season. Again, non-guaranteed, the Clippers can cut him anytime until January 10th and not have to pay him for the rest of the year if another point guard becomes available or if they need the roster spot for a trade. They also still have that 15th spot open. And then I think Coffey and Motley will be the two-way guys that can be brought to the big team, you know, basically Motley as an emergency center whenever someone is hurt and uh, coffee as emergency wing depth whenever someone is either hurt or is resting. Yeah, sounds good. Man, Dawson, remember how I mean, Dawson really faded pretty quickly, huh? He was, he was supposed to be this Draymond S type of rebounder, tenacity from Michigan and so yeah, much I mean, Michigan. I mean, player comps can be helpful, but like comping anybody to Draymond Green, who right. is like a legit one of a kind NBA player is just, it's ridiculous. Um, that was, that never made sense. He can't pass like Draymond. He can't play defense like Draymond. Uh, yeah. It was whatever. I mean, he was a 56th pick who cares, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else. Um, I'm probably ready for questions unless anybody else has anything they want to add. Yeah, I think we can head to it. Okay, great. So let me find them. Always always good to find the questions. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, man, Dawson. That's such a such a funny dude. I, I totally forgot about him, like his existence. Either. He needs to be like, where are they now? Uh, that's pretty surprising considering I could get pretty hyped on our, on our second rounders, but not hyped at all with uh, with Brandon Dawson. No. Okay, first question. There are, there are five, I believe. The first question is from my dad. who asks, Sean Livingston for the vet minimum. Uh, I'll just go very rapid and say, sure. I don't think he's very good anymore, but for the vet minimum as a 14th guy, like, whatever. I, I was reading, I, I think it was, maybe it was Charks uh, on The Ringer who uh, put a Shea alexander um, great article about his potential as an Oklahoma city star, which I, of course I wholeheartedly agree with and read a lot of stuff. I kind of already knew and a lot of good stats to kind of convince Oklahoma city fans about his worth. But in the midst of it, you know, he was talking about how Shea doesn't have any modern comps and everybody loves to talk about Sean Livingston. And while the two are totally different players, he did post a link to, to like pre injury, Sean Livingston, man, Sean, Sean was so good, man. God, I think they were very different type of. I mean, absolutely, absolutely, completely different. Yeah, and Shea is, I think, a better passer. 
and playmaker. He's just much smoother, whereas Sean was more explosive. I mean, they're both just big point guards who can hit mid-range shots. I think that's kind of where it begins and ends. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really see it. But anyway, yeah, I'm fine with Sean. Yeah, Sean's a, Sean's a nostalgia ad is what I'm saying. He's not yeah. going to – I don't think he's going to give us too much now. He's pretty washed in the playoffs. He's pretty washed in the season. I asked some of my Warrior friends – uh, who love Sean and they're just like, no, he, we, we're not going to miss him. Letting him go was not like even a second thought because he was, he was quite bad in the season. I mean, I think half of it is a lot of nostalgia ad, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind it. What about you, Jag? I'm down for it. I mean, I, 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 I think there aren't many options out there. I mean, we talked about Jeremy Lin. I mean, what, really what, what else is out there? Um, and, and, he, he's still a smart player. You're not going to ask much from him. I mean, he, he's, he's going to play sparingly. Uh, he would fit in with the culture. It would be, like you guys said, kind of a, a great, like, nostalgic ad. But, uh, yeah, I, you're not going to count on Sean Livingston being even Sean Livingston what he was five years ago. But I, I think he's perfectly fine here and there uh, to, to, to kind of just plug for a few minutes here and there. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Sean. Everyone, you know, I don't have to restate all that. I think I would pass probably on adding him to the roster, and it kills me to say it, but he just doesn't do anything particularly well anymore. And, you know, as Mike alluded to, there's not a lot of guys out there, and the Clippers need a point guard. But honestly, like, Derek Walton in the 14th spot makes more sense than Sean Livingston. Derek Walton can hit a shot. Derek Walton is going to be available. And what you need from a guy who's going to be a third stringer is someone who you know is going to play. So I, you know, I would pass on Sean, I think. I think that's a fair argument too, especially now that we have Walton Jr. It's kind of, it's, I definitely think a seven footer, you know, granted there aren't many that exist, but a, a legitimate center is probably more of a pressing need, especially compared with all these guards we have. We talk about Shamit being more of a point guard this year, upping his playmaking. We know Lou Williams is great on the pick and roll. Walton Jr. is good on the pick and roll. You know, Pat Beverly can make plays. We have, we have quite a few guards. Terrence Mann, we have high hopes for him. But we don't have, like, a legitimate – I feel like we still don't have, like, a legitimate center. We do, you know, in Zubat, and that's about it. If he got hurt, we would be kind of low on that spot and we'd be stretching our bigs kind of thin. So I, I think that would be priority right now um, for that last spot that we need to give somebody. Obviously, it's it's easier said than done. There aren't great options out there. So, yeah, I, I, I still wouldn't be against bringing back Sean entirely just because of how much I loved him in the past and having him win a ring with the Clippers would be great. I feel like he wouldn't hurt the culture at all. So... A lot of good things. He'd teach the young guys a trick or two. Um, uh, but as far as what he can contribute now, it's hard to really dig hard to say he can do things in a positive way for the Clippers as is. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm fine either way. Like, I agree that, like, you know, you're not asking him to do much, but you may as well get, like, a younger guy in there who, like, theoretically could maybe play a bigger role in, like, a year or two to come. And who, like, again, availability is really what they need. Like, they need a guy who will be there. And Sean Livingston is having, like, really bad problems with that knee. Like, we all remember that knee injury that he had. And it's really troubling him badly. And if he's not available for, like, a lot of games just because he's sore, that defeats the whole purpose of that roster spot. So, 
I, like, I wouldn't be too upset. It's the minimum deal for the 14th spot. Like, the opportunity cost is really low. There's nobody out there that I would demand to have. But I, I just don't think it's it's very pressing. And maybe um, Terrence Mann will we'll, pick up to close to close the year, like like Jerry West was saying. That would be surprising. The Clippers but be, love Terrence Mann. They really do, and and we all do here too. That's super exciting. You know, maybe he will really pick up as a third stringer, play maybe ten minutes or so here and there, even in the playoffs. Yeah, the, the way that I've kind of been framing this third point guard discussion in my head is. The Clippers have Patrick Beverly as their starting point guard. Great. Perfect, right? You got Lou Williams as a backup point guard. He's not really a point guard, but he certainly has shown that he can facilitate an offense. And I think you get put him with, you know, McRuder as a secondary pick and roll guy, Landry coming off the screens, Harkless cutting back to the basket, pick and roll with Trez. Second unit offense is going to be fine. But Patrick Beverly misses games. Right. He's missed like he's liable to miss 20 to 30 games any given season. Last year, him playing 78 was a career high. So the question I'm asking when I'm thinking about who the Clippers need to add as the third point guard is obviously Lou Williams is not going to step into the starting lineup and play the Patrick Beverly role. So if the Clippers need someone to be like an emergency 20 minute a game starter for 30 games during the regular season, who can do that? And obviously, Sean is attractive because he's a veteran leader with championship experience and he's super steady on the ball. But can Sean Livingston start 30 games? Like at, some, at a certain point in those 30 games, you're going to have someone from the D-League playing in Sean's spot because Sean's also hurt. Derek Walton could probably get away, right? I mean, Miami, those years with LeBron and Wade and Bosch, like Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole were the point guards. The Clippers can get away with Derek Walton with some regular season minutes, and he'll be there. You know, Sean Livingston, I'm worried that he won't be there for those 30 games when the Clippers need him. Yeah, I think that's a fair concern. Yeah. Okay, Uh, next question from Corey at drummy underscore MSYG. He has two questions. First is, how do you think we match up against Utah? I could definitely see them getting the first seed and us playing them in the second round. So I guess Corey is projecting Clippers with the four or five seed. I think they'll be a bit better. But still, Utah, I think, definitely a potential playoff matchup. And I think the Clippers match up really well against them, to be quite honest. I mean, Gobert will be probably kind of a nightmare. Yeah. He's also not a guy who's offensively dominant. He's more of a rim runner. So I think Zoo would actually be fine against him. Like, Gobert will outplay him, but, like, it's fine. It's not like it's Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid or Anthony Davis who could, like, really just destroy the Clippers. I don't think Gobert would do that. Uh, you know, they have Pat Beverly to throw on Mike Conley. They have George and Kawhi to put on Donovan Mitchell. Joe Ingles is great. I'm not worried about Joe Ingles beating this Clippers team or Jay Crowder or even, like, Boyan Bogdanovich. Like, Basketball Twitter would tell you differently about Joe Ingles against Paul George. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, the Jazz, I think, are going to be really good in the regular season again. And I certainly think Mike Conley will be a big help for them in the playoffs. But I think the Clippers match up really well against them. I think the Clippers, if both teams were healthy, I think the, healthy, I think the Clippers would beat them like 4-1. to one. I, I would not be particularly worried about them in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, who are, who who can't we guard? Honestly, is almost is almost the question. It's just bigs, and Gobert does present, you know, 
um, an issue, and he did last year too. I don't think we had Zubat when we played the Jazz uh, full health, if, if I can recall correctly. We had that one throwaway game where, where uh, Grayson Allen dropped 40-plus on us. But uh, aside from that, you know, it, it'll be nice to see Zubat uh, against the Jazz, that Jazz team. Not saying he's going to shut down Gobert, but uh, Gobert was just – taller than everybody else and he was just such at such an advantage in those games so uh utah kind of won that one game in la like super handily i think it was one of the last tobias games we were kind of in a funk so it'll be interesting to see how uh how zubat will handle somebody like gobert and how we can handle gobert going forward but in general i mean i just feel like we have such elite wing defense i i'm not as afraid about their guards and their their forwards, particularly their guards, just because we have Beverly and George and Kawhi, and particularly Beverly and George. So I'm not. I, I think I think it'll be. I think the Jazz are going to be one of the elite regular season teams, but in the playoffs, I think we match up pretty well. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I think we're we're better than the Jazz. I think they're again they're they're a very sexy pick. The Conley you know pickup was great. Um, I think the big thing too with the Jazz is. You know, will Donovan Mitchell take that next step? You know, um, we, we saw such a great rookie season in that in, in that playoffs and uh, in his first season. But um, last year was, you know, it, it was kind of up and down. Um, he's still a tremendous talent. And I think, like, again, I still can't get over the fact that they got Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles in a trade. Um, Denver, geez, we talking about Denver being one of the best teams in the West. Imagine if they would. If they, if they didn't make that trade. Um, but um, I, I, think, I, think, I think Utah will be good. They'll be really good. Uh, but again, I think a lot will depend on will Mitchell take that leap because we know the playoffs are different than the regular season. And that's, that, that's, that can be the argument for Denver, too, because will Murray take that leap? We saw, you know, a lot of great, uh, you know, strides last, last season in the playoffs, but when they lost, you know, in that final game, he didn't play well. So there's a lot dependent, I think, on, on some of these young guys for Utah, for Denver, um, taking that next step because we know George and Kawhi will be there and they'll be ready. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, I mean, the guy who – the most interesting guy, I guess, in the matchup against Utah would be Gobert. You know, I think Mike Conley is Utah's best player, but – the Clippers have the perimeter guys to, you know, to win that, those battles. But Gobert is the guy who's a little bit interesting. I think Zubats versus him is fine. Like, obviously, like you guys said, Gobert outplays Zubats. But I think Trez is the guy who really struggles yeah. in a series against the Jazz playing against Gobert because that's exactly the kind of thing that Gobert – is like if you were to scientifically engineer a player to stop Montrez Harrell, Rudy Gobert with his length and defensive awareness might be that guy. And it would be, it'll be interesting for me to see if Trez can't get it going, what does that do to lose game offensively? And then we maybe start to see the, this kind of potent machine that will be the Clippers offense start to show some weaknesses. But I actually think the workaround to that is probably – playing to Michael Green at the five and saying, you know, okay, fine, throw it over our heads to go bear, you know, when he dives to the rim, but we're going to play five shooters. And then you're either giving up an open three to Jamichael Green at five, 
or you don't have Gobert in there protecting the rim and we've got, you know, Kawhi and PG and Lou all driving to the basket. So, yeah, I, I, it's not a matchup that I would be overly worried about. I mean, we're talking about Rudy Gobert is a guy who, like, consistently gets played off the court in the playoffs, and Donovan Mitchell is just, like, a high-volume, low-efficiency, kind of empty-calorie scorer. So the Jazz are, like, they'll win, they'll win a lot of regular season games. I think I actually picked them to be the one seed in the West, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, a two-versus-seven Utah-Golden State series, Golden State could easily win that. Oh, yeah, no question. And that actually leads perfectly into the next question from Corey, which is that the Warriors seem to be under everyone's radar, but assuming they get into the playoffs, how healthy, how scared of them are you? So I'm assuming this means Clay Thompson. And, you know, if they have Steph, Clay, Draymond, and D'Angelo Russell off the bench, that's a really good team. I mean, I think the Clippers healthy with everything clicking will probably be the best team in the NBA. So it's all relative. But, I mean, Steph Curry has still has an argument for being the best player in the NBA. He is terrifying against anybody um, Draymond Green is a guy who, you know, turns things up in the playoffs as the Clippers saw firsthand last year after he had a very blah regular season. He was one of like the five best players in the playoffs, probably, even though he tailed off in the finals. Um, like the Warriors are going to be really good if they're healthy. And if Clay comes back healthy in like February and is worked into the rotation and is at least like, you know, 90% up to speed by the playoffs, like, I think they would absolutely beat Utah in a playoff matchup. Like, absolutely. Um, so, I don't know if I'd be scared of them, but I think they're a more worrying team than Utah. It's just because their top-end talent is so much better than Utah's. So, I, w- I won't say scared, but, like, I wouldn't necessarily want to play the Warriors in the playoffs. I'm scared of the Warriors. <laughs> I, th- I, think <laughs> I think if they're healthy, and I think Clay, you know, ACL injuries, people actually, we saw with Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly came back. Um, really incredibly, incredibly quickly considering how, when his injury happened. You know, he didn't round to form until, well, uh, he, he wasn't, it wasn't an ACL and it was still, I believe it was microfracture for, for Bev. But these knee injuries have really gone, um, the medical investments for knee injuries have really been incredible. And I think, I think Clay will be quite good by the time the playoffs roll around. Um, so, He's not going to be a hundred percent, but he'll be quite good. And that team is that team is still terrifying. That they have the best backcourt in the league, and and Draymond is if he's locked in is still incredible. And and hell, like this team, even without Durant, you know, had Clay stayed healthy, who knows what would have happened in that series, right? Like it's it's, and they completely just ran roughshod on the Blazers. Not that that's really saying too much, and. They handled the Rockets when the Rockets really needed to step up in the biggest games in recent franchise history, and that was all without Durant. And now they have D'Angelo Russell, and if he buys in and and uh, and and plays, you know, like a Nick Van Exel type six man role once they're all healthy, then that team is really that team is still really dangerous. And I really wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors somehow snuck into the Western Conference Finals by this time next year against maybe the Clippers. Like I, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, Jag, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, getting back on on the Warriors, I I know you guys, I think we're let's not expect a lot from Clay. I mean, I am I'm a giant football fan and Eagles fan, so I had Carson Wentz coming off an an ACL injury and going basically into the season after I think week two. Um, he, it's it's going to be difficult because again, as we saw with Blake 
over the years, you're not when you're rehabbing, you're 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 just rehabbing. You know, you're not actually putting in that practice and getting better. Now, Clay is you know a, a top 15 player, top 20 player, uh, but I, I it to think that Clay Thompson's just gonna like magically appear and get back to Clay Thompson by the playoffs, I think is a little crazy. These injuries, again, as fans, I think we, we, we have to look and, and actually realize that they, this is, this is even though technology is, has grown so much, this is still a big deal. And it's, and it's like we were talking about PG's shoulders. Like, the labrum surgery is a big deal. And uh, I, I, I think the, the Warriors are going to be scary. And it is, if you're Utah or Denver, that, that's not a fun first-round matchup. Or even the Lakers. For, for for you know saying that if they if somehow the Lakers uh, would play them in the first round, but um, you know I, I I do feel that the the Warriors will be uh, a very very that over I again I love that for that over in in Vegas with them. Lucas. Yeah, I mean like I like I just said when we were talking about Utah, Golden State is a team that I think will be a lower half. Western Conference playoff team, but I think they will probably end up favored to win whatever series they're in unless they end up, maybe the, the only exception might be against the Clippers or possibly the Lakers. Um, but because I think if, like, let's say they end up in, you know, whatever the series is, right, between either playing against maybe Utah or Denver, who should both be very high in the seeds, but people will be low on them come playoff time. I could totally see the Warriors being favored in a 2-7 series against either of those teams. And I, I think they could totally win it as well. I think I need to see a little bit more, or I need to see a little bit from them this season before I'm certain that they're actually a major threat in the Western Conference, you know, in terms of winning it to get to the finals. Just because, you know, that, that year when they were so good, right, they were good before KD, of course, but they had Andre Iguodala much closer to his prime. They had Harrison Barnes, who obviously is not amazingly special, but is better than what they have on the roster right now. They, they really have nothing after those first four guys. And we're not sure how D'Angelo Russell is going to fit in. And especially if Russell stays there through the trade deadline and they're starting Steph and D'Angelo and Clay at the one, two, three, and Clay's coming off of an ACL. I mean, they're still going to be hard to guard, of course, but who the hell are they going to be able to guard? Like, who, the Clippers start Kawhi and Paul George at the two and the three. Who's guarding them, right? Clay with an ACL on one of them, and then is D'Angelo Russell going to guard Paul George in the playoffs, right? So I think we, I need to see how that rotation is going to shape out, how that supporting cast is going to perform in the regular season, how Russell fits in, or if they flip a midseason trade, and then maybe start to get a better idea of how much of a threat they are. But right now... I view them as a team that I think is going to be a lot of fun. I think Steph is such a fun player. They'll win a playoff series, but I don't think they're a major threat to the Clippers. Yeah, I, I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, a couple more. We'll try to make them a quick hitters. Uh, the next one from Andrew Ahmad. Uh, this one I won't even bother because it's not really my thing. Any new nickname slash color slash logo redesigns? Um, I think this is in response to the – there was a report that Balmer is open to doing all sorts of stuff with the Clippers – name and brand and whatnot 
I honestly can say I'm not really, I don't really care about that kind of stuff very much at all. <laughs> um, I know some people are super passionate about this. I don't really have any takes. Do you guys have any takes about nicknames or color or logo or anything? Do you, does anybody want to change the name of the team? No. No, no not at this point. I think he, I think his, 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 I, I personally think his best bet would have been when he bought the team. You know, that would have been the, the time to do it. You know, when you were in the dark, you know, in the dark ages. But at this point, no, no yeah. I, I, I'm totally against that. I, I agree with you guys. Aside from that, I mean, it's fair game. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything <laughs> as far as artistically or or anything of that sort. I, you know, the logo can be improved. The colors can be improved. It's a very kind of just straightforward, you know, font now and that's fine. I think that's fine. You know, I've, I've bought jerseys since the change. I have, I have a Shea jersey and I have a Kawhi jersey coming on the way. Like, I, I, I haven't, like, stopped getting, you know, stuff from the Clippers because of it. I know a lot of people are very angry about, about it. I don't like it, but I don't, you know, I think I'm fine with whatever the Clippers do, and I'm sure they're going to do great things and hire the right people like Bomber has already done. I'm just not very, like like Rob, I'm just not super passionate about it i just want them to keep the name because i think by now like, the, we're clippers so yeah the, the one for me honestly that that red jersey they had a few years ago with the like cla logo on the breast and the number on the other breast like that was that's a jersey that i would like i wanted a jj reddick jersey that year and they were only selling the red ones and i didn't buy it because it was so hideous but like <laughs> yeah. the ones that they have now are fine the ones yeah, that they have fine. now are totally fine. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I think, agree. yeah, I would, here's, here's my caveat to the, to the name change thing. If the Clippers have a bad Kawhi Paul George era, then I could see changing the name heading into the new arena. But if they, like, first of all, it makes, obviously they're not going to do it right now. And if they win a championship in the next three to five years, why would you change it at that point, right? So it would have to be something like if they really botched this and they're totally hitting refresh heading into the new arena, I could see for branding reasons wanting to just not be the Clippers anymore. But obviously, hopefully that doesn't end up being the reality that unfolds. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's not going to happen now. And same on the jerseys. Like I generally don't care unless something is absolutely hideous. That red jersey was like ghastly. Um, right, and, you know, and those the the vanilla Coke Christmas jerseys that they had, the like red and cream ones. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those like I just wanted one, regardless of who the player was, because those were so beautiful. But mm-hmm. that those are like that the outliers. Right, generally, like you know, I'm cool with it. it. Says Clippers on it, right? It has the player's name that I like. Like I'm cool with it. It's not not much else matters. Yeah, I'm fine with like all their blue ones are are perfectly fine to me. Um, and then I think the final question uh, is like a, a complicated one from Whammy Giveaway. It's a two-parter about um, kind of about the Clippers battle with Dolan um, for the new arena and just generally what the outcomes of that might be. I can't say I know too much about it, except like I think it's all going to get resolved. Like The Clippers seem pretty confident about this. I mean, Steve Ballmer has backing from a lot of people. He has money. Um like the Clippers are on the upswing right now. I, I just, I can't see that ending up being a big deal. Um, 
like he's mentioning like the Clippers being forced out of the city. Like I just I don't see any of that happening. Like I think this is all going to get smoothed over in the next couple of years. Do any of you guys have anything to say about um, the the Dolan controversy with the arena? I just haven't like paid that much attention to it. I know it's kind of it's been a thing, but I just assumed that they wouldn't have this huge video and this huge and all this hoopla towards it without being fairly confident that they can resolve it. And I haven't heard much pushback from Dolan yet. He's probably, you know, recording some garbage album that he likes to record with his band that probably hates to be around him. But uh, I don't, I just, I, I'm assuming that they have things kind of under good, under control for the most part. I, you know, I, I just don't know. Do you guys, Jag or Lucas, do you guys know too much about like, I don't really know too much about the situation, really, honestly. Well, it's the it's the, it's the entire um, you know Laker and Forum, uh, you know, and Dolan the Dolan fiasco. And I think um, I think the Forum because they're owned by Dolan now, and they have such a hub in the music world that mm-hmm. they're worried that you know another another uh, another, another arena is going to come in and take that take that business which bomber's already said there's not going to be hockey there's not going to be other stuff but uh, again if if bands are going to want to play on you know in the summer you're gonna you're gonna want to take that money so i think there's you know there's definitely some type of backlash and but if you know mayor butts comes to the the presser you know that that's a very confident sign that things are moving in the right direction and anyone fail this um i i I don't. Uh, I, I don't think anything will will, will probably go down. But again, it, like like I was saying, like you know, being a music venue now, they are the, one of the the best shows in town of of having a music venue, and then probably they are worried probably about about the Clippers coming in because they're probably going to lose some big acts to the football stadium. You know, you're going to think like the bigger. Uh, marquee, you know, and the Stones aren't going to come back out, but they like do the Rose Bowl and Dodger Stadium and your, your, your Billy Joel's and whatnot that won't do the, you know, the, the Hollywood Bowl. But they'll, you know, you're going to have big names probably go that way. So that's probably what Dolan's really worried about, not his organization, as we know. <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah, Lucas, you have any takes on this? Yeah, I mean, from everything that I can tell, it's just obviously right. MSD owns the forum. They you, they you can't even play basketball games in the forum anymore with the renovations they did. It is music only venue, and the the Clippers are trying to open a multi billion dollar state of the art venue like across the street from it. So of course it's bad for business. So MSG is fighting it, and as billionaires do, Dolan is playing dirty, right? So there's like this um, one thing that that I read about was this community advocacy group that has been posting these things online and saying, you know, we don't want the Clippers in Inglewood. You know, we, we don't want the extra traffic, whatever, whatever. But the, um, the journalists who wrote about this, like tried to get in touch with this group and there's not actually any <laughs> living humans associated with it. It's just like a PR person and a check from MSG. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think from everything that I can tell, you know, MSG is grasping at straws and, I understand why they're grasping at straws. They have a clear interest in this Clippers arena in Inglewood not happening. It's going to be a huge set for them, especially the building that they recently did massive renovations on. But, uh, you know, it's not really up to them. Um, so the Clippers arena is going to get built. 
and they're going to have to figure it out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll pretty much just leave it at that. Things look kind of promising on this end, at least, and we have C Bomber, really. That's the trump card. <laughs> so uh, I think that'll more or less do it. Do we have any more Twitter questions, Rob? No, that's it. All right, cool. I think that'll do it for this episode. Lucas, Rob, you guys have anything else to say that you want to say? No, I'm just excited for uh, the new podcast on Clips Nation to hear more from Jag, who I think we all just noticed in this one podcast had some differing opinions than the rest of us, <laughs> Yeah, which is a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, everybody agreeing on stuff is, is never good. So uh, it was great to have him on. Excited to have him on in the future and for, for his podcast to start. So that's that's it for me. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, just I'll, want to say thank you. Thank, thank you to you guys. Thank you. I mean, this is this has been phenomenal. I'm so, so stoked about the, and as again, I'll use that word until you guys uh, use it regularly. Um, really excited about the podcast. And this has just been a blast coming on here and, uh, you know, just talking about the clips. Yeah, man. Lucas, you have anything to say? You know, thrilled to have, you know, one of my one of my good friends and an amazing podcaster joining the team and just looking forward to it. It's going to be an amazing year on so many different levels for the Clippers um, and for all of us. So, yeah. Yeah, Jag's going to be just a great resource of just, you know, we, we've already we've already heard a lot of your work. Your, your interviews have been great. And, you know, I follow a lot of Clipcast stuff and I always loved hearing you talk and just and you're clearly super passionate about the team and we just need more passionate people covering the team that know know about the Clippers and excited to share about them. So I'm super excited to have you on board and I'm just super, super excited for this year. It's just, I can't believe it's so far away still. It feels so, so close yet so far. And uh, it's going to be a great season. Everybody listening. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everyone. As always subscribe us on whatever you listen to us to. You're going to have a couple pods to listen to now rather than just one. And as always, go Clippers!